I'll stand together, please. Take your hymnal, and Brother Mike is going to tell you exactly what page to turn to, but maybe we'll sing that chorus. Let's start out on the chorus, and then hopefully the verses will show up. Our God reigns, our God reigns, our God reigns, our God reigns, how lovely on the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, good
Stand please, shake hands with those around you. Let them know you're glad to see them here in the Lord's house this morning. So good to see each of you this morning. So good to be in the Lord's house. If you're glad you're in the Lord's house, say amen. 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 It is so good to, to be here. If you're visiting with us for the very first time, let me get you to raise your hand nice and big, please. All right, young man right here. Uh, we won't miss him with that big beard he's got there. Good, good to have you. Got two young ladies right up here. This is, this is Philetta Elmore and her daughter Carissa. You say, well, that, that last name Elmore sounds familiar. It is familiar because that's my last name. And Philetta is my dad who is in heaven now. Philetta is my dad's wife. So Philetta, thank you for being here. She came all the way from Lake City to join us today. Thank you for being here. I do have a couple of announcements for us this morning. Uh, ladies Fellowship will be August 31st at 6.30 here in the Fellowship Hall, so ladies make your way to that. But then this Thursday, it's getting ready to get rambunctious again. It's time for senior volleyball. It's going to get rowdy in there. Um, and uh, last week they went to Fluffy's and, and uh, wasn't able to make that. I would love to have been there. I was in a dentist chair. But uh, we're going to have senior volleyball this Thursday at 10. So um, seniors be in your place for that. If you're 50, 50 or wiser, we want you to show up to that. Uh, Brother Matt and I both will be wearing our referee jerseys. Um, someone has to break up the fights, amen? Please take your hymn book out and turn to hymn number 378. 378, please stand and join me. As we sing the first, fourth, and ver fifth verses of the Haven of Rest. My soul in sad exile was out on thine sea, so burdened with sin and distress, till by heard of.
Pray for Brother King and also Neil O'Neill. Remember her in prayer. Uh, continue to pray for Mickey and Joanna, Bill and Joanne. Um, Mickey's dad, Jeff Cruz, passed away. They had the funeral service yesterday. So um, remember this family in prayer. Uh, pray for Janice. She's, I think, I think probably all of you know by this time she has dementia and. Uh, kind of day-to-day thing right now. Pray for me, too. I, I, don't, I don't understand Amen. really all that I know about that. All right, let's bow our heads and look to the Lord in prayer and ask his blessings on the offering on these requests. Brother Flowers, would you lead us in prayer? We pray for blessings, we pray for peace, comfort for family, protection while we sleep. We pray for healing, for prosperity, we pray for your mighty hand to ease our suffering. Your blessings come through raindrops. What if you're here? 
Let's look at two passages this morning, and I'll try to tie them together in the message. First of all, look at uh, the book of Colossians, chapter 1. And then we're going to go to Mark, chapter 4. So if you want to hold your finger there in Colossians, and then uh, find Mark, chapter 4. Colossians chapter 1, we're going to begin reading in verse 12. Giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meet or fit to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, <clears throat> who have delivered us from the power of darkness, and have translated us in the kingdom of his dear Son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things, and by him all things consist. And he's the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. For it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell. And having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile all things to himself, by him I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven. And then in Mark, Mark chapter 4, Mark chapter 4, verse 26. And he said, So is the kingdom of God, as if a man should cast seed into the ground, and should, should sleep, <clears throat> and rise night and day, and the seed should spring and grow up. He knoweth not how, for the earth bringeth forth fruit of herself, first the blade, then the uh, ear after that the full corn in the ear uh, but when the fruit is brought forth immediately he putteth it in his in his uh, sickle he putteth in his sickle because the harvest has come <clears throat> now I read both of those because um, I want to be I want to be talking about some things uh that we, we speak of as laws, laws of God, things that are um, 
that really everything uh, operates by. I, uh, I've told you before, when before I was called to preach, <clears throat> I, I worked at uh, what then was called the Martin Company in Orlando. It's now Mart uh, Lockheed Martin. And um, I, I was an engineer there in, the, in, in it, and they were involved very heavily in the space uh, program. <clears throat> uh, <clears throat> Martin Company was <clears throat> the one that built the first rocket that put men into orbit, the Titan. <clears throat> and, um, and then there, there were several companies that were involved in the Saturn that uh, then sent men to the moon. <clears throat> I've told you also about uh, by the time when Werner von Braun, who was the—I don't know if he was actually the head of NASA, but but he was the head of the propulsion um, part of of the uh, space program. And uh, Werner von Braun was a professing Christian. He was a, he was a he was from Germany. <clears throat> he, uh, in fact, he was a Nazi. In the Second World War, and after the war was over, uh, they they brought him here to the U.S. Russia and the United States divided up the scientists in Germany. Uh, one of von Braun is the one who developed the the V2 uh, rocket, <clears throat> and that was used during the Second World War by by the Germans. But uh, I don't know uh, when uh, that he made a profession of faith. I don't know at what point in his life that he got saved. <clears throat> but he did profess to be a, uh, a Christian. Uh, he was a Lutheran. He, being from Germany, you'd, you'd know that he would be a Lutheran because of Martin Luther. <clears throat> but um, I, I heard him one time when he was there at, uh, in, in Orlando. <clears throat> um, he, had, um, he had came there. He'd come there. Actually, he was visiting a, a, a part of the company there that I worked for, the uh, the centrifuge that that I don't know if this was the only one, but a lot of the astronauts came uh, there to be tested in this centrifuge, and that was to determine how much g-force that a human would be able to stand. <clears throat> and uh, so I think he was there because of that. But but anyway, uh, a reporter asked him if. Um, <clears throat> If being a scientist, how, the, how he could reconcile that with being a Christian. And, um, and so he, he, he gave a very, very good answer. I don't remember all of the, all of the things that he, that he said. <clears throat> but, um, but one of the things I do remember, this may not be exact words, but, but he said, if I had not been a Christian, I would not, and knowing the laws of God, and knowing that those laws... Are, are for the entire universe. All of the, you know, everything that is created uh, is subject to the laws of God. Those laws, in fact, that's what keeps it together. We read here in Colossians where it says that Jesus, by him, all things consist. That means they're held together. They're everything. Uh, he, he, made, he made the remark that, that if... Um, if, if everything came into existence because of a big bang, uh, there, there's no way to explain how that everything in this universe is, is in its place and it stays there in its place. All the planets, the earth, the sun, the moon, everything stays in its place. If, if the earth had been just, just a little bit closer to the sun, there would, there would be no life on earth. In fact, it would have burned up. It would have burned up the earth. If it was just a little bit further, uh, there'd be, it'd be solid ice. There'd be no life on the earth because the earth would be solid ice. God, God put everything in, in its place, and he keeps it there. He, he holds everything uh, together. And um, he, he, he made the statement that, and he was talking about the evolutionists, they, the evolutionists challenged science to prove the existence of God. But must we really light a candle to see the sun? They say that they cannot uh, visualize a designer. Well, can a physicist 
visualize an electron? What strange uh, rationale, and this is in such small print, I'm having a hard time reading it. What strange rationale made some physicists accept the, uh, the in inconceivable electron as being real while refusing to accept the reality of a designer on the grounds that they cannot conceive him. Um, and in other words, he, he, he was saying that uh, without, if it would have not had the Bible and to understand the laws of God, we would not have been able uh, to put a man on the moon. Did, I don't know if you, uh, if you ever thought about it or not, but Russia never did until the United States showed them how. They never did put anybody on the moon. Why? Because Russia, the Soviet Union, was a communist country. That means they're atheists. They don't believe the Bible. They don't believe in God. And so they could shoot a man up in the air, but they were not able to put a man on the moon until we showed them how to do it. And even took some of, uh, some of their uh, astronauts, I think they call them cosmonauts, uh, with them uh, to the moon. Um, what, what I want to talk to you about today are, are these, these laws. And we read here in Mark that there, there's a law there that's called the law, the law of reaping and sowing, or sowing and reaping, uh, the law of the harvest. Um, God, God is a God of order. Uh, you see that as you study the Bible in the angelic realm, uh, there there are ranks. God, they're just like uh, in 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 our military. You have different ranks. Uh, in in the angelic beings, in the angelic realm, they're in ranks. Everything's in order. God God's put the moon in its place, the sun in its place, the earth in its place, and and God is the one who tells it what to do, so that. Uh, so that mankind can exist. And so God, he's a God of order. God has built order into the physical world, and God has also built order into the spiritual world. And this order we call law. There are spiritual laws and there are physical laws that you cannot break. Now, sometimes somebody will say, well, you know, I broke, I broke one of the Ten Commandments. No, you don't break them, my friend. Uh, you're broken on them. A man steps off a 20-story building. He says, I'm going to break the law of gravity. He breaks his neck. He doesn't break the law of gravity. What he does, he demonstrates the law of gravity. That law is there, and it works for a saved man or a lost man. A saved man steps off a 20-story building. He's going to fall. A lost man steps off a 20-story building. He's going to fall. These laws are written into nature. God made these laws. Man has only discovered them. And we're still discovering. We're still, mankind is still discovering the laws that God has in effect. One of the, one of the great laws is the law of the harvest, as we just uh, read about here in the book of Mark. So I want to I wanna talk to you about this morning about uh, some of these laws, of course, we don't have the time to go into very many of them. But, uh, but first of all, I want to I talk to you about the law, what I'm calling the law of implantation. That is, if you're going to have a harvest, you must plant. There must be implantation. There must be an implanting if there's going to be a reaping. Now, notice, notice in verse uh, 26 here in Mark, so, so is the kingdom of God as if a man should cast seed into the ground. There, there can be no harvest unless you put a seed in the ground. I was thinking this morning as I, as I was thinking about the message, I was thinking of all the blessings that we have here at Central Baptist Church. Think first of all, you're saved. If you're saved, what a blessing. I'm talking to those of you who are Christians uh, first of all, you're saved. Second, you're a member of Central Baptist Church. What a blessing. What a privilege. And, and if you aren't a member, you should be. Amen. 
and then thirdly, you're an American. Now just take those three blessings. You're saved and you're a member of this church and you're an American. Do you take that for granted this morning? Do you know why you have those blessings? Because of the law of the harvest. The law of the harvest. Let's just start with America. Why do we have this great nation? Because somebody planted some seeds a long time ago. Those pilgrim fathers came over here and the wind of the holy prophets were in the sails that drove the Mayflower to these shores. And it wasn't so much that they brought the Bible as it was that the Bible brought them. And these were people who installed and instilled in the matrix of this society in which we live certain principles. And dear friend, the laws of our government are based upon the laws of God and the blessings of God have been upon America because of that fact. There, there is no other country on the face of the earth that, that the constitution of that country, the laws of that country, the rules of that country were, were based as much on the Bible as America, the laws of America. And, and God has blessed America because somebody so long ago, we called them the Pilgrim Fathers, planted some seed and we have reaped a harvest. Have you really been appreciative of what we have today? Take, for example, this church, your church. Brother Tony and I were talking about just this past week. You, you know, I, 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 even, even ourselves, we, you know, I don't think we realize and understand and comprehend what, what we have here, what God has given us here. This, this, is, this is a wonderful church. Think about what we have here. I mean, just think about, just think about the physical buildings. I was talking last week, mentioned last week about, uh, I remember whenever I was a little boy uh, going to church, you didn't have air conditioning. Uh, the only air conditioning you had was you opened up the windows on the side. Uh, most of the time, the auditoriums back then had windows down both sides. You just raised them up and uh, you hoped that a breeze would come through. The only air conditioning you had was the insurance fans. hand fans that you use uh, to try to keep cool. We didn't have carpet on the floors. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of those old country churches didn't even have electric lights, had lanterns. I preached a funeral one time in a church when I was pastoring in Tennessee. That they still didn't have electricity. It was so far out in the mountains. They still didn't have electricity, didn't have running water. They had outhouses in the back. Uh, there, there was a, the emblem of a, of a moon that was for the ladies and of the sun that was for the men. And uh, I don't know if you've ever uh, had the privilege of using the facilities uh, when there was an outhouse there, but it's not nearly as pleasant as whenever you have an indoor bathroom. But think about, think about just, uh, just what God has blessed us with here. Uh, think about it. Think about the, the ministry here. Think about the, the, the souls that are saved. Think about, think about the rich heritage that we, have, that we have here. I want to ask you a question. Do you think that this ministry, do you think that, that um, uh, these buildings, you think that those buses back there, out there on the street right now, you think about all the missionaries who, that we support. You think all these things just happened? It didn't just happen. It's not a, it's not a government grant, you know. We don't believe in government grants for the church. And it didn't just float down out of the sky. Uh, we, 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 we walk in here and we sit down and, and so many times we just take for granted what God has blessed us with here. This, this is a congregation where the people really love one another. I've had people from uh, outside that, that have come and they've said, you know, the, the thing that you sense more than anything else here is that your people love one another. They like to be around 
each other. Number two, we, we have a congregation where the people believe the Bible is the word of God. That's a blessing. People believe the Bible is the word of God. Number three, you have a, a congregation that believes that the pastor is God's spiritual leader to lead the flock. Uh, what, what more could a person ask for in a church? And if, as I said a while ago, if I wasn't a member here, I'd join this morning. Adonai Judson said a long time ago, if you succeed without suffering, it's because somebody else has suffered. But there is no success without suffering. That's interesting, isn't it? No success without suffering. Somebody pays a price. Somebody paid a price for to have this Bible, for us to have this Bible today. Somebody paid a price. Somebody paid a price for us to have the freedom to gather here this morning and worship God according to the dictates of our heart. Somebody paid a price for that. You can't reap unless you sow. I think not only what we have in America, not only what we have in this church, but I think of our our very spiritual life itself. Remember Jesus said in John chapter 12, except a corn of grain, a corn of wheat fall in the ground and die, it abides alone. But if it die, it brings forth much fruit. It, it was the, the corn of wheat that went in the ground when Jesus died. He, he was the seed in that cold tomb. And then out of that tomb sprang forth life. And Jesus suffered and bled and died and made an investment. And you and I today, we, you wake up saved. We wake up Americans. We wake up members of church, Central Baptist Church. We come down here. You know why? You know why you're so blessed today? You know why you're enjoying what you're enjoying today? Because somebody planted a seed. Amen. Somebody planted a seed. Somebody did it, and it was either you or somebody else. My friend, there can't be any reaping without sowing. There's an implantation. Somebody must plant if somebody else would harvest. And so that's the very first of these laws, implantation. There's another very wonderful law, and I'm calling this the law of identification because not only must we plant if we would reap, but here's the second law, we reap the same as we plant. Now this man put a seed in the ground. What kind of a crop would you expect him to reap if you put, for example, wheat in the ground? What would you expect him to reap? Wheat. If he planted the seed of wheat, then you'd expect him to reap wheat. If you put barley in the ground, what would you expect him to reap? Barley. And by the way, let me give you the death of evolution right here. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 11 and 12, here's why there's no such thing as evolution. God said, let the earth bring forth grass, the herbs yielding seed, and the fruit tree yielding fruit after his kind, whose seed is in itself upon the earth, and it was so. And the earth brought forth grass, and the herb yielding seed after his kind. And the tree yielding fruit, whose seed was in itself after his kind, and God saw that it was good. That does away with evolution right there. There can be no evolution. You know what that means, what those verses mean? That means, ladies and gentlemen, there is a locked-in likeness. A locked-in likeness. You hear evolution is talking about looking for the missing link. There's not one. They'll never find it because there is no missing link. There is no link between a monkey and a man. There is no link between a tadpole and a human being. There is no link between a puppy and a butter bean. There are, there, they won't find it. There is no link. Uh, everything produces how? After its kind. After its kind. That'll never be changed. You'll never get figs from an olive tree. You'll never plant corn and get wheat. It just can't be done. You're going to reap the same 
as you sow. Same thing's true in the spiritual realm. You will reap what you sow. If you reap, if you sow discord, you can never reap unity. If you sow hypocrisy, you can't reap holiness. If you sow to the flesh, you can't reap of the spirit. And there, there is just a simple law of uh, identification. It's everywhere. You see it in homes. We wonder why uh, sometimes our kids turn out the way they do. <clears throat> I clipped this one time uh, out, of, out of a magazine. Listen to this. I read it to you. If a child lives with criticism, he learns to criticize. If a child lives with hostility, he learns to fight. If a child lives with ridicule, he learns to be shy. If a child lives with shame, he learns to feel guilty. If a child lives with tolerance, he learns to be patient. If a child lives with encouragement, he learns to be confident. If a child lives with praise, he learns to appreciate. If a child lives with fairness, he learns justice. If a child lives with security, he, learn, he learns how to have faith. If a child lives with approval, he learns to like himself. If a child lives with acceptance and friendship, he learns how to find love in the world. And that is so true. Listen, we reap in our children what we sow. So many times, you know what a, you know what a juvenile delinquent is? He's a child trying to live like his parents. Trying to be like his parents. I found this in, in a little devotional guide. I'd like to read this to you. Uh, one day when Junior was 14, he noticed his father wearing a happy grin as he came home from the office. He said, I got pinched for speeding, but Jake down at City Hall got the ticket fixed for me. And Junior was listening. When Junior was 15, he was with his mother in the family car when she backed into a tree. The damage would far exceed $1,000. We'll say somebody rammed into us when we were parked downtown, she said. Then we'll collect insurance for it. When the boy was 16, he listened to his grandfather reminiscing about the good old days of rationing when he made $100,000 black marketing cars. The same night, Uncle John was bragging that he was on a good share of his business uh, that on a good share of his business, he sent no bills, received no checks, just cash. Why be a sucker and let those guys in, in the IRS get all my money, he asked. When Junior turned 18, his family pulled every string to get him a paid scholarship <clears throat> at a coveted Ivy League school. <clears throat> they even lied about the family income to make it seem as though the family needed financial aid. When he had a rough time scholastically, an upperclassman sold him the answers to the calculus examination. Junior was caught and expelled. When he returned home, his mother burst in hysterical weeping over the disgrace he had caused. How could you have done this to us, she sobbed. This isn't the way we raised you. You see, folks, there, there's a locked-in likeness, isn't there? We reap what we sow. <clears throat> but that's not just negative, that's positive also. You know, the Bible says in Luke chapter 6 and verse 38, Give, and it shall be given unto you. You know the way to get what you need is to give what you need. That's the way to get. How do you need, if you need love, how, how do you get it? You give it. If you need friendship, how do you, how do you get friendship? You give it. People say, boy, folks over here just aren't friendly. <laughs> what does the Bible say? He would have friends. He who would have friends must show himself friendly. Dear friend, you're going to reap what you sow. No ifs, ands, and buts about it. <clears throat> there's a third law of these laws of the harvest. Uh, number one is implantation. Number two, identification. Number three, incubation. 
you have to let it incubate in the ground for a while. Notice again in our text now, in verse 26, so is the kingdom of God as if a man cast seed into the ground and should sleep and rise night and day, and the seed should spring and grow up, he knoweth not how. Night and day, night and day, night and day. He goes to bed, he wakes up, he goes to bed, he wakes up. And then after a while, there's a blade. He notices there's a blade coming up out of the ground. Now that, that little seed had to sleep there in the ground. And the moisture comes and impregnates the coat of that seed. And the warm sun warms the ground. And the little seed after a while just sheds its shell like a man sheds an overcoat. And out of that ground, there comes that little green blade that just comes up. Now, what's God saying here? God's saying you cannot rush the harvest. Some seeds spring up almost immediately. Other seeds take a long time to mature. But there's one of the laws of the harvest, my friend. Not only do you reap what you sow, not only must you sow if you reap, but you always see, uh, reap later than you sow. Now what, what God is saying here, the harvest will come. I think, I think of people over the years, they've gone to be, many of them are going to be with the Lord now. Um, <clears throat> uh, people that I kind of, as a Christian, kind of grew up with. Uh, people, I, when I, we were in Orlando, I taught a young married class, and, and uh, we, we became very close to a, to a, lot, of, a lot of those people. Um, and I was thinking the other day of all of those people, the people that went that young married class, that... Uh, I can only think of one person, one couple, <clears throat> other than Janice and I, that have stayed, we've stayed in the, in the work, continued to serve the Lord. Uh, many of those, they've fallen by the wayside or else they, they, they're in heaven now or, or wherever, but, but they're, they're not, there's so many that are not serving the Lord. You know, I look out in, in this audience this morning, I see people have been here, you've been here for years and years. I came here, I've been here 38 years. Uh, there's, only, there's only one person, two people here today that were here when I came here, Janice Lambert and Joe Brady. Um, and over the years, people have come and gone, people have come, I've, hundreds of people, hundreds of people have come and gone. Um, I I think of I think of those of you that have you've come and you've been faithful. You continue to serve the Lord. Some some of you that you came, you got saved, you baptized, you became a member of the church, you uh, you began to come to service, be faithful. But it took a while for you to begin to get involved, become involved. But I thank God for those that have those that have come and. Had, had stayed by the stuff, so, so to speak. If you, live, if you live long enough, what I'm trying to point out to you is you live long enough, you're going to see a harvest. You're going to see fruit from your labor. Listen, it pays to serve Jesus. It pays to serve Jesus. <clears throat> Let me just give you these last two points briefly now. Um, in Galatians chapter 6 verse 9 you don't have to turn there I'll read it for you be not weary in well doing for in due season we'll reap, we shall reap if we faint not this, this law this law that I want to mention now I'm calling the law of intensification now first we must sow if we're going to reap second we're going to reap what we sow. Third, we're going to reap later than we sow. And fourth, we're going to reap more than we sow. Micah's 
kids have uh, planted some potato vines back here, and um, they're, you know, the vine, they put us, I don't know, how you, how you do it, did you put, did you put a potato in there, a potato in there, see that shows how much I know about gardening, but uh, you put, they put a, one potato in there, you know what's going to happen when they finally do get potatoes, there's going to be a bunch of potatoes, only one potato they sowed, but it's going, they're going to reap a bunch of potatoes. If you if you put a one grain of corn in the in the ground, a whole stalk's going to come up. It's going to have ears, several ears on that stalk, and every one of those ears is going to have row after row of kernels of corn. You will reap more than you sow. When you're when you you think. You think, well, you know, uh, serving the Lord doesn't pay. Well, just wait. It's not harvest time yet. Not harvest time yet. Let me tell you, let me tell you how, how to prosper. You want to know how to prosper? In uh, second in Second Corinthians chapter 9, it says, For this I say, which he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly. You want a little harvest? Just put a few seeds in the ground. You sow sparingly, you're going to reap sparingly. And he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Every man according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give. Now what does that mean as he purposeth? Well, it means according to what kind of harvest he wants. The law, the law of the harvest is you put one seed in the ground and you get an ear of corn. Harvesting, harvesting is wonderful. I don't know who first coined this this uh, proverb, uh, but it but it's a beautiful thing. Somebody said, any fool can count the seeds in an apple, but only God can count the apples in a seed. I mean, there may be millions of apples in one seed. You just keep planting it, keep planting it over and over. That's <clears throat> that's beautiful. You know, I know this is a, kind of a worn-out cliche, but my friend, you're not going to outgive God. You're not going to outgive Him. Most of us don't believe that. I know. You know, most of us say, we say, "Well, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll believe a, I'll believe a little bit. I'll, I'll put um, in a few grain, few grains, and just see how this works." And you reap sparingly. You see, see, God, God's a great God. Uh, one of the verses in one of the songs this morning, God's good, God's good, he is good. He's more than that, he's great. He's a great God. And you don't, you don't, give, you don't give because it pays to give. If you do, you, give, you got the wrong motive for giving. You just give because it's right, because it's right to do it. You're obeying the Bible. And you give because it's right. But let me tell you something. You're not going to be able to outgive God. I've experienced this in my own life. So I know from experience, not only from the Bible, but I know from experience, you cannot outgive God. You see, there's the principle, the principle of, uh, of intensification. You reap more than you sow. And God wants you to have your needs met, but he wants you also to be able to meet the needs of others. God doesn't just bless you so, so you can put it in the barn. God blesses you so that you can keep investing it and let it continue to grow. And while you're investing it and while it continues to grow, then you're blessing others and you take that surplus and you're able to, uh, to help in the things of God. You know, so many of us, we're just afraid to do that because we're afraid we'll waste it. But my friend, if you think um, from now on about your giving, not as, not as giving, but think of it more as sowing, uh, think of it uh, perhaps um, more as investing. I think you're going to have a different view of this whole thing. And then the last, the last principle, that's the principle of implementation. Now, what does that mean? Well, look again at our text. And the Bible says here that uh, in Mark chapter 4, so is the kingdom of God as if a man 
should cast seed into the ground. Now, folks, unless you implement the plan, it's not going to work. If a man should cast seed, that means you have to cast. It's going to be, you're going to have to plant the seed. You're going to have to get with it. You're going to have to implement it. It's not enough to get the notes in your notebook. You've got to get the seed in the ground. You're going to have to, you're going to, have to get at it. Now, you see, you might, you might sit around and, and say, well, you know, all this is interesting, and, and Pastor, as soon as I have harvest, I'll start planting. <laughs> no, that doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. Uh, if, you have to, if you have to wait, if you uh, don't plant, and you think you're waiting for a harvest before you plant, you're never you're not going to have anything to plant. There was a, uh, a man that, that was dying in the hospital bed. He was dying, a wealthy man. <clears throat> and uh, he, he, kept, uh, he kept holding up his hands, holding his hands up. And, and the, uh, the people that were sitting with him, they thought, they thought well, he was delirious. Uh, he kept looking at his hands and, and muttering about his hands. And someone said to him, uh, Jim, why, why are you talking about your hands? He said, look at them. Look at my hands. He said, they're empty. They're empty. Somebody just wrote a, a poem. Uh, Must I empty-handed go? Must I meet my Savior so? Without one soul with which to greet him, must I empty-handed go? You know, we sing in the invitation song, uh, sometimes nothing in my hands I bring simply to thy cross I cling. Those, those laws, and that's just a few of the laws that, that uh, you'll find in the word of God, those principles, those things that, that we live our lives by. Um, these are unchangeable. The, and these work, they work. And while we're, we, I've not talked as much about, about this as uh, uh, in, in the message this morning, but, but when, you come, when you come to the Lord, you're going to come empty-handed. Maybe you're thinking, you know, I don't have any, anything to offer. Well, you don't need to. You don't need to have anything to offer. Nothing in my hands I bring. Simply to that cross I cling. But when you get saved, when you come to know Christ, the Bible says that Christ has come that we might have life. And not just life, but life more abundantly. There's a saying, life begins at 40. But I want to correct that. Life begins when you get saved. And God, you begin to enjoy the blessings of God. I wonder this morning, how many of you are saved? You know that you're saved. You know that you're going to heaven when you die. We'll give an invitation in just a moment. If you're not saved, we invite you to come. We'll show you in the Bible how you can be saved. And if you are, are saved, a Christian, you need to rededicate your life. We invite you to come. Whatever the need is, we invite you to come in just a moment. Would you stand, please? Heavenly Father, I ask you to bless the invitation time. I pray for those that may be here among us that have never been saved. They do not know Christ as their personal Savior. I pray that you'll help them to come this morning. Let us show them from your word how they can be saved. And if they're Christians and need to come rededicate their life, may they come. Lord, whatever the need is, I pray that you speak to it, burden their heart about it, and may they come. For I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. As we sing a verse of invitation song, I invite you to come. Just as-